Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. This episode of Luke's English Podcast is sponsored by italki, an extremely popular and massive online community for people learning languages. You can use italki to find a one-to-one teacher for video lessons online and also to access their community of language learners. It's a great way to get lessons that suit your schedule and needs to help you work on your fluency, accuracy, pronunciation. It's all done over Skype or other similar software, so it's really convenient. And you can also find language partners for language exchanges, which are free. And because you're a Lepster, because you listen to this podcast, italki are offering you a voucher for a free lesson when you buy some talking time. So get started by going to teacherluke.co.uk slash talk or click an italki logo on my website. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. How are you? Are you doing all right? Everything okay? How's it going? Not bad? Not bad. You're doing all right? You're surviving? Yeah, just surviving basically, yeah. How's the weather? Not too rainy, I hope. What's it like where you are? Sunny, bit cloudy, windy, wet? I don't know. I have no idea. It's been it's been crazy here recently. Lots of rain and then like downpours of rain and hail. Hail, H-A-I-L. Hail, that's when it sort of uh, rains little bits of ice. <laughs> suddenly hail. So these mad rain uh, storms and hail. And then suddenly the sun comes out and it's beautiful and sunny and blue sky. And then pff, cloud and hail again. It's crazy. Um, but anyway, that's the small talk, the, the chit-chat about the weather. That's, the, that's all the chit-chat out of the way. Uh, but enough of this idle banter. Let me now introduce the episode that you're going to listen to. So this is part two of a conversation I had with Andy Johnson recently. You should probably listen to part one first if you haven't already done so. Uh, but uh, this is part two. And in this part, I ask Andy some questions from a speaking exercise from English File Intermediate Third Edition, a book I've been using recently with some intermediate classes I've been teaching at the British Council. English File Intermediate Third Edition, just one of the various course books that you may have used uh, if you have if you've ever taken English lessons at a school or something. Um, so I'm, I ask Andy some questions from one of the pages of that book, a page I've been teaching uh, to my students recently. So I've been helping my students practice their grammar, pronunciation and speaking using this book. And I thought it would be interesting to ask Andy some questions that my students have been discussing with the aim of practicing used to, you know, this form, this bit of grammar, let's say, or this piece of English that we use to talk about habits in the past, you know, like I used to, what? What did you used to do? I used to play golf, but these days, uh, these days I don't. Oh, great. Good conversation. Great. Well, yeah, I I used to play golf, but uh, these days I I don't. It's like, can, all right, can we stop talking now? Because that's boring. Oh, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Very sorry. I'm just trying to be friendly. No need to be rude. I'm just trying to establish a an interesting chat about golf, but clearly I can see you're a very rude individual who uh, has has no problem in ex- expressing your 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 rude opinions about people and their con- conversational topic choices. All right, this is a made up conversation. I don't know why it's going bad, going wrong. Anyway, weird. Anyway, so um, I've been uh, helping my students use used to right and other ways of talking about habitual behaviour. Uh, in the past or present, not just talking about golfing habits, 
No. So what you're going to hear us talking about, uh, what you're going to hear us doing is um, using used to and some other bits of grammar. And that may be grammar that you've done before, but the, the point is it's kind of like how would a native speaker answer like practice uh, questions that you find in an English textbook. So we're going to use used to and some other bits of grammar and then sort of rambling. There'll be some rambling on in a natural way, answering these questions designed to help learners of English develop their fluency. The topics of the questions include stuff about our eating habits, so food and stuff, TV series we used to be addicted to, and Andy gives a nice summary of The Wire, which is a TV show that was on, sort of, it was broadcast, I think, on HBO around about 10 years ago. Uh, but it's a show that he used to be addicted to, a show he used to watch all the time. And he gives a nice summary of this show. I don't know if you know The Wire, but anyway, Andy gives a nice summary of it. So if you're wondering what it is, just listen on. And we talk a bit about how neither of us have ever watched Game of Thrones. <gasps> Shock horror. I know some of you are like, what, Luke, you've never seen Game of Thrones? What have you been doing? Well, I've been mainly podcasting, I think. Um so anyway, we talk a bit about that. And then we go on to talk about music that we've been listening to on Spotify recently. The latest Vampire Weekend album, in Andy's case. And also a classic album by Steely Dan, in my case. And if you're a fan of Steely Dan, the band, uh, then listen all the way to the end for a bit of Steely Dan chat. I've been listening to their stuff on repeat recently, and I've become slightly obsessed by a couple of their songs. We also end up talking about football at some point, specifically the dramatic and unbelievable recent events in the European Champions League. Uh, Barcelona and Ajax fans, uh, I expect you're feeling a little bit wounded by what happened last week, but I think it's fair to say that football fans around the world were stunned at how both Liverpool and Tottenham Hotspur managed to win their semi-finals against all odds beating Barcelona and Ajax, respectively. Basically, it looked like Liverpool and Spurs were both definitely going to be knocked out of the Champions League, um, as they were both behind by quite a few goals each. But they both managed to come back in spectacular fashion, winning their games and going through to the final. Um, That description I've just given there doesn't quite do it justice, though those of you who saw the games will know that they were somehow two of the most astonishing moments of football in recent memory, certainly for us Europeans. Right then, so now you're prepped, you're prepared for the rest of the conversation. Let's get started. Check out the page. Just let me say this first. Check out the page for the episode on the website. You'll see a script for this introduction I'm doing now, and also some more bits and pieces, including a load of recommended YouTube videos relating to the music that we talk about. Oh, and one more thing. Uh, bonus points for anyone who manages to notice the sound of a hoover in the background during this conversation. You might hear a hoover, you know, like a vacuum cleaner. Um, you might hear a vacuum cleaner going in the background at one point, you know. That's me doing the noise. That that was me doing that noise. Like, oh my God, was that a vacuum cleaner? No, that was me, obviously. So you might hear a hoover in the background at one point and you might think, where's that, where's that sound coming from? Is, is that someone hoovering in my house? I say, who's hoovering? You might think. Well, it wasn't, it's not in your house, okay? It's not like a ghost or something hoovering in your house. What do you mean a ghost, Luke? What are you talking about? No, it wasn't anyone in your house. That's when you hear the hoover, it's not in your area. It was uh, our cleaner who comes around once a week and was doing some hoovering outside my room while I was recording this. Hopefully you won't notice, but just in case, there you go. You see, extra bonus points for anyone who notices the sound of my flat being cleaned in the background. You get extra points for anyone who notices the sound of my general life happening in the background during this episode. Okay, all right then, that's it then. So let's get started, and let's go right now with a little bleepy noise, which you're going to hear now. Bleepy noise, go! We were talking about uh, my intermediate class that I've been teaching, right? So I've been using English File Intermediate 3rd Edition. Ooh. Um, Do you remember that one? 
In, English Vaguely. File? English File? Vaguely, yeah. English File is like, um, it's your go-to book, isn't it? Yeah. As a teacher. It's, you can't go wrong with English File. It's good. It's It kind of covers all the bases, and yet it's not quite as dry as, as Headway. Mm. Headway is the was the first one, wasn't it, really? Mm. Uh, I think it was. I think Headway was one of the first most popular English course books that are used in English language classrooms. And then after that, you got things like Cutting Edge, which was like a, a more task-based sort of... Uh, yeah, that, that was approach. the one that was trying to be cool. It's like, hey, guys, we're yeah. Cutting Edge. We're going to give you cool tasks to do. And the students... Whereas Headway's like... Through our grammar exercises, you will make headway. <laughs> exactly. And then English file is kind of like, all right, just chill out, everyone. Yeah, Let's just, we've got this. We've got, got this. this. <laughs> we'll do all the different language systems and we'll keep it fun, but we'll do some grammar, serious grammar as well. And so the unit is 5B, unit 5B. The, lang- the target language was used to and usually. And then obviously because it's a proper course book where they've you know they've done it all properly there's you've got the you've got listening first where they introduce the target language you know with all the listening tasks and stuff and then you've got a bit of pronunciation with connected speech and how to pronounce used to um you know for example you've got drills with i used to live in london uh which is appropriate for you uh and and she didn't used to wear glasses and uh sentence five which is which was fun because it says, didn't you used to have a beard? Yeah. And well, yeah. yeah, didn't you used to have a beard, right? And the idea is that you've got to say the sentence without any gaps in it. So it's, didn't you used to have a beard? But how would you actually say that that question? In normal life, mm. how mm. would that question come out? In terms I don't of think it? I've ever said that in my life. No, I don't uh, think I have either. <laughs> but I guess you'd hedge it with, your your intonation would be like, didn't you used to have a beard? Yeah. Didn't you, <laughs> no, didn't you, you wouldn't say to, it like that either. Because the way it came out in my class, which was quite fun, because um, I like doing pronunciation because you can have fun uh, yeah. messing around with the attitude that you have while you're, while you're doing the pronunciation drills. And so for me, this one ended up becoming, didn't you, didn't you used to have a beard? Like, didn't yeah. you? All the way up there. Like, didn't you used to have a beard? Yeah. Yeah, um, and, it, and and it's that English thing where it's like I'm I'm asking you a question, but I'm really sorry I'm asking. Yeah, didn't you? Didn't you used to have a beard? Yeah, like you make a weird face as well. Didn't you? You do this weird thing with your 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 neck and your shoulders. Didn't you used to? Yeah, turn your head and didn't you? Didn't you used to have a beard? Like, are you okay? Didn't you? Like, yeah, I shaved. So what? Didn't you used to have a beard? <laughs> but hang on a second didn't you used to have a beard have you shaved yours off me uh yes yeah. yeah sometimes i have a beard sometimes i don't so yeah. uh, i kind of I go through and phases of that's the problem of the question because didn't you used to have a beard it's like well yeah but you know i might have another one again if you said to me didn't you used to have hair that's slightly <laughs> different because it, it ain't coming back do you or, know what I mean? Well, didn't you that, used to have a head? Like it's has to be yeah. something permanent. That's the thing. It's like a permanent change. Didn't you used to have a beard? It's like, well, yeah, but I just shaved. You know, it didn't grows you, back. Uh, didn't you used to have a girlfriend? Didn't you? Uh, oh, see, so you're single. Uh, <laughs> didn't you used to have a girlfriend? It's like, yeah, she, you know, she's not my girlfriend anymore. Oh, yeah, good because she was, uh, she was, you know, she was a bit of a slag, wasn't she? What? She's now my <laughs> wife. How dare you? That's from four weddings. Isn't four it? weddings yeah. and a funeral, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, you know that you know that voice you were just using, didn't, didn't you? Uh, yeah. I had a, I had a dream the night before last. Mm. I think it was it was because I was connected to coming on this podcast. But I had a dream that I'd agreed you'd ask me if I'd do some stand up. <laughs> yeah. As a warm up for you, <laughs> and I'd agreed. And then you you call me. You're like, where are you? You you meant to be on stage now. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm coming. I'm coming. And in my dream, I'm like what am I going to do? <laughs> and then in my head, I'm like, I know I'll just do that funny voice yeah. for 10 minutes. So, uh, uh, <laughs> and that was my dream. It was, it was just awful. No, that sounds pretty good. I, th- I would find that funny if it was just you <laughs> just going up. So, uh, uh so hi guys. Uh, just, uh, just, and then just point at someone in the crowd. Didn't you used to have a beard? <laughs> right guys. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I would enjoy that. But after, so after those pronunciation things, there are some questions, right? Oh, okay. This is the speaking section, the, the free okay. practice, and there are there's a series of questions. And I just spent like um, 
I, I teach two B1 classes, one after the other. And I do the same thing in both classes, which is convenient. Um, although things go differently, you know, depending on what happens in the class. But um, so I spent a good deal of time yesterday morning going through these questions and listening to my students answering these questions and talking to each other and stuff. So I thought that I would ask you the questions too oh, to see how a native speaker would answer these questions. Oh, so you want me to answer these as a native speaker? Yeah, or just, do you want me to answer just, these as a B2, B1 um, I I was thinking that you could just answer them as yourself. All right. Just just be, yeah. just try to be normal. Let's go. Okay. So first question is, is there a kind of food or drink that you didn't used to like at all, but which you now like? <sighs> uh, <laughs> which is, you know, not, not unusual. It's this, you know, you might say, oh, you know, I didn't used to like mushrooms, but now I love them. Mm. I don't know. Sometimes you do talk about your tastes and how they change, I think. Anyway, is there a kind of food you didn't used to like, but which you now like? Tuna. Oh, yeah? Is that it? Do you want me to explain? Well, I, in, to in the... well I didn't used to like tuna, but I do like it now. <laughs> <laughs> Interestingly enough, uh, tuna was a food that uh, I just couldn't eat and just refused to eat it. But these <laughs> days, I'm quite partial to uh, uh, a bit of uh, tuna, tuna from a can. I, it, that's it's true. I used to, I, for some reason, I could never get on with tuna when I was younger, but I've kind of really like it now. But I've kind of we've uh, just before we before we were recording, Luke and I were talking about meat and his his holiday, oh, yeah. and he he had some good meat. That's right, and, listeners. Yeah, I, I recently was on holiday. Went to San Sebastian. Mm. I've, I've probably got like a couple of listeners now who are like you were in San Sebastian and you didn't tell us. Yeah, <laughs> went to San Sebastian, which I went to Biarritz, which is um, down in the south of France on the Atlantic coast, and it's not far from the Spanish border. So we did a little trip into Spain. Went to San Sebastian, lovely, lovely place, and we had just the most incredible uh, steak um, yeah. from a tapas restaurant. We stood in the street on a, one of those little tapas tables in the street, and we had beer and. Uh, a big piece of beef that was cooked on a hot plate and it was just incredible delicious <laughs> and i was telling you about the salt right that maybe yeah. one of the reasons it was so delicious was because they put all this salt on it yeah. and i said to the waiter i said uh you know really fantastic salt and he said oh it's english it's english salt and i was really? like you're joking me <laughs> and i said well clearly that's why it was so good it was the english salt oh, um, wow yeah, the only reason. The only reason. The only reason it was good because there was English salt on it. But anyway, yeah, go on. You were, you were talking the, about but food. The, but we've like I've I've kind of given up meat. I've given up red meat. And, oh yeah. Um, because not long after we moved here, we all got so sick. Oh, we God. got like this. You know this. You know the norovirus. Yeah. That that, that that vomiting bug. It's a gastro thing, isn't it? It was. Yeah, it's a gastro thing. And my mum was down to visit, so there was. Um, five of us in the house and it just kind of stalked us and picked us off one by one Ugh. it was quite horrific so like my mum went down first and she was she was like i'm sorry andrew i'm gonna have to go to bed i feel rather unwell and then she was in the toilet going ah, you know? <laughs> and then like and then about four hours later everyone the house was quiet everyone was asleep it's about midnight one o'clock in the morning and then i just heard this noise from Ezra's bedroom, my eldest, and he was being sick, and it's like, oh no, poor little guy. Yeah. And then it's like, oh god, who's going to be next? And then it was me, and then it was Natasha, and then it was Cal, and it was just horrific. And afterwards, um, you know, it kind of lingers for like two two days, and you feel a bit rough. And we, Natasha and I were talking, my wife and I were talking, and she's like, you know what? I just, I, I really just can't face eating meat again. Mm. Happy to take a break from it. And I was like, yeah, yeah, me too. I feel awful. Yeah. And about a week later, we're feeling better, and uh, we were in the shop, and uh, we're in the, doing our grocery shopping. And I was like, "Right, what should, what should we get for dinner? Shall I make some spaghetti bolognese? What should I do?" And she's like, "No, no, no. I thought we, I thought we said we weren't eating meat." I was like, "Oh no, <laughs> I wasn't serious." <laughs> but having said that, you know, three and a half months have gone by, and we've we've kind of stuck to oh, it. Well, that's and, really good. Yeah. So we're eating a lot of fish, a lot of tuna, but. Um, no sort of red meat or chicken and has it has it made a difference to 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 you i mean do you feel different having not eaten no, red not meat? really no? not really just barely notice a difference really it's just surprisingly easy to give it up actually yeah 
Um, so yeah, and, unless you live in San Sebastian, where you know it's yeah, it's uh, for me it's a way of life. It's a way. It what it well, it certainly was for that day. Um, I mean, uh, you know, it would have been hard to avoid eating such good foods because this tapas restaurant they basically did three or four dishes. It was one dish was just tomatoes in olive oil and salt, right? Amazing local tomatoes, like just brain explodingly delicious, and and then like these um, fried uh, peppers, like these uh, like green fried green peppers, like little ones, not chili yeah. peppers, but like yeah. little green peppers fried with olive oil and salt, um, and uh, and then like this massive lump of uh, of beef. <laughs> so it's kind of like what do you want do you want to just eat a couple of tomatoes and peppers or do you want you know the main course so the the, the thing about spain is i mean they do like those we've we, i've got a, a a friend who's based in cordoba in andalusia he's a spanish guy and he's a chef and mm. so i've been out there a few times i was in seville recently actually and um they have this thing that you I've, i haven't seen it anywhere else apart from spain particularly andalusia but you get these um for breakfast, it's like tomatoes and olive oil and salt, and oh. you have it on toast, and it's just amazing. Yeah. It's just really good. But also those little green peppers you were telling me about, mm. um, like one in ten is ridiculously hot. Oh yeah, yeah. So one in we ten. <laughs> something like that. So we we had those, and he was he. So we all like tucked in, and I I bit into mine, and my friend Happy is going. Every now and again, you get a really hot one. <laughs> I got the hot one. It was insanely hot. It was like eye-wateringly hot. Yeah. So I kind of steer clear of those. But yeah, I mean, there's something about how the Spanish do those sort of simple things. They do it so well. It's just beautiful. Mm, absolutely. Such, yeah, simplicity. And English salt, obviously, which was the... Uh, English salt. That's, that's the key. That's the secret to everything. Yeah. Um, the next question here from English oh, yeah. File Intermediate 3rd Edition, um, Unit 5B, page 49... Um, is for, the, for those reading at home. For those who are following along at home, um, it's about TV. Uh-huh. Do you, by the way, do you have you have you have a TV in your house? I do. Yeah, yeah you you install the TV and everything because we don't. We, we 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 moved as well, like in November last year. Yeah, and we still haven't put a TV up because we can't find a good place to put it. Because uh, in our last flat, we bought a massive widescreen HD TV. I mean, it's ridiculously big. Yeah. Um, and you know a bit too big really uh, but it was brilliant for watching our series and you know netflix and all that stuff but here in the flat we've got like a little fireplace and we don't want to just stick the tv in front of the fireplace because mm. it's a nice it's a nice fireplace mm. we don't want to stick it on the wall because it would kind of spoil the the look of the, the the room so we've got no tv uh so we're just watching things like netflix on our computers on our laptops yeah. and stuff but so the question anyway is to get to the question it's um is there a tv series that you used to be addicted to why did you like it oh i mean it's difficult because since since we had kids we just don't really watch anything on tv other than things like paw patrol and <laughs> pepper pig pepper oh yeah lots of pepper that kind of stuff yeah um so it's difficult to understand like, difficult to know what was the last thing i watched I, you know what the thing that i really got into the, the last sort of big episodic thing was the wire oh yeah you've watched the wire didn't you well huh, i've watched the first episode twice and i fell asleep both times uh, uh you see it's one of it's one of those things like the the wire is like um it's it's set in the city of baltimore and it and it follows essentially the drug trade the drug industry and each series follows different so the first series is all about the drug dealers on the street the second series follows what happens how the drugs come into the city so it's it's based around the ports Mm -hmm. and then i think the third series is set in the school system and how the children kind of enter that world it's 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 really kind of tough and harrowing Mm -hmm. and then the fourth season follows it up to city hall and how the drug money essentially finds its way into politics and how corrupt everything is. And then the final series is set at the Baltimore star, which is the newspaper and they, it's how it's, um, they, how they report on everything. So it, it yeah. takes this, this one story and it follows all these different narrative arcs yeah. and it's astonishing, but 
you have to stick with it. It's like it's like I, I kind of get annoyed when people say that, but yeah, they're like, yeah, really, stick with it. You know, the first couple of episodes, not much happens, but then it begins to reward you later. But it's so true no, I, with something. I like absolutely Pire. believe it. I'm completely convinced that it's brilliant because, like, you know, lots of people have told me how good it is mm. um and the only reason i fell asleep both times is just because i was really tired when i was <laughs> watching it and it was just like you know right it's 11 o'clock i'll put the wire on because i've got to watch it and then it's just like asleep um but it's it's the same thing with game of thrones like i've uh i'm sure yeah. i'm sure it's excellent but i've just never managed to start and because- i've never watched an episode and for the same reason it's just like i'm sure it's amazing and everyone tells me it's amazing but i just I haven't got the time. It's too much commitment. It's kind of like yeah. nine nine seasons of it now, I think. Yeah. And it's kind of like, oh, I just see my whole life flashing before my eyes before I start watching it. And like, you know, uh, by the time I finish this, how old will I be? You know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and with something like Game of Thrones, people are so like, it's not that long. They're only like eight episodes a season. That's only eight hours times nine. It's like, yeah, that's a lot of time. Yeah. What do you think I'd do with my time? I haven't got that time to sit in front of the TV. So, I mean, we could say that you used to watch a lot of telly, but uh, these days you're kind of watching less, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I think that's fair to say. Uh, I think that's fair. I've been, I've been trying mainly this week. I've been watching football. Oh, yeah. All right. Come on. Football, then. It's, We've got to talk about the football. It's just been incredible. I mean, I, more the Champions League than the Europa League. So what, what, it's, today is May the 10th. So last night were the semifinals of the Europa League and Arsenal and Chelsea both one i don't know when you, this i'm not doing any spoilers it doesn't here, matter right? it's all good it's all good it's all it's good all, for time it's fine but the previous two nights was just crazy with liverpool beating barcelona and um tottenham spurs tottenham beating um ajax just i mean it, i'm not i'm in, I, I don't support any of those four teams mm. and nor am i particularly um I'm not. I'm not like really happy that we've got four English teams because I think that that just makes it like a Premier League game, but in yeah. Azerbaijan. Yeah. But you've got to you've got to admire the sort of the drama of yeah. the football. You've got to admire the drama of the comebacks and how yeah. even when even when Tottenham needed to score three goals, you're thinking, well, Liverpool did it last night. It's not out of the realms of possibility, and and then they did, and with more or less the last kick of the match, it's just like. Bloody hell, football, eh? Well, it's a, you know, it's, a, it's a game of two halves, Andy. Um, it's not <laughs> over till the final whistle, as they and say. This, and it's, this Champions League has just been crazy. It's just, there's been so many insane results. And the fact that there's, the, the way it's structured over two legs, it, it, you, it creates these situations where the next goal wins. Like, you know, when we were kids and we'd play football, yeah. you used to have this rule like, you know, you've got to, you've got to finish playing soon because you've got to go home and have your dinner. So you'd say, right, next goal wins. <laughs> Whoever scores the next goal wins the game. Yeah. And it's the most amateur way of playing the, of the game. But then you, you said you have these situations in professional football where next goal wins. And that's what happened in Liverpool. It's what happened in Amsterdam. And it's just, it's just been astonishing. By the way, listeners, yeah, we do say Ajax in the UK. Uh, in, in, they probably have different pronunciations of that uh, name. I think in France, I think they say Ajax. Ajax. I, I, I'm not sure. But anyway, we say Ajax. So just before we talk about Tottenham and Ajax, tell us the story of, of Liverpool-Barcelona, if, if, if you can. Well, this might be very painful for your, your listeners who are based in Barcelona because the first leg, they won 3-0. So this is the, think- sorry, this is the semi-final... Of the, of the Champions League. Champions League. Yeah. The first game. The first game was in Barcelona, and it was one nil to Barcelona. Fairly even game, and then Messi scored, I think, twice towards the end to give them, uh, you know, a three nil lead, which meant that they were more or less. I think. I think there's a, there's a website that gives they they crunch all the data and they give teams a chance what what percentage chance they have of winning a match, and Liverpool had a four percent chance of winning the tie wow. wow and Liverpool scored early it was 1-0 at half time they still needed to score two more goals and they scored three more and yeah. it was it was just incredible but it, when the third goal went in something happened to Barcelona you could argue it had already happened but they just looked like a team that didn't know what was happening to them they didn't know how to deal with it and the worst thing for Barcelona fans is the same thing happened last year mm. to them they gave away a three goal lead to Roma 
So I think it's uh, it's quite it's quite tough being yeah. a Barcelona fan at the time. They'll still win the Spanish league, so that's okay. That's, at least Ma- yeah. at least Real Madrid haven't got there either, so they can't. It's not all bad. Okay, um, but there, there was like the fourth goal in in the yeah. So after um, as you said, after Barcelona had got this three nil win. Uh, in the first leg, in the second leg, Liverpool had this mountain to climb. They had mm. to beat Barcelona by four goals. Well, they had to score three goals in order to make the tie go to extra time or penalties, but they scored four, so they won. They won the game within regulation time, within ninety minutes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, wait, the th- after the third goal went in, Barcelona kind of lost it, and the players just sort of they all fell apart. It seemed to be that way. They just there was. I think they were just shell shocked. Yeah, they couldn't. They couldn't believe how they'd given away this this lead. And then the following night, Spurs go and do something even more extraordinary because there they. I mean, they had to score three goals in just the second half, um, and they they scored the last goal in like the sixth minute of stoppage time. It was. Yeah, I saw a video. I think on Twitter of uh, fans, uh, like Ajax fans watching the game in a pub somewhere and they're celebrating it's like literally the last minute of the game and they're they're already celebrating and they're singing and the whistle is about to go and and they're even cheering yeah and then the ball then somehow tottenham score this goal and it's like literally the fans are in mid celebration and suddenly it all turns and they are (laughs) and they're devastated they go from celebration to devastation in a second it's it, yeah it, it, you really felt for them and yeah. the players just collapsed the players were just lying down like they've been shot they were just dead you know yeah but the, the, the guy that scored like so both liverpool liverpool were missing their top two players their top two strikers Firmino and salah and uh, tottenham were missing harry kane he was injured so they the guy I can't remember his name now. Lucas. Oh God, I can't remember his name. Hello. The player's name that Andy can't remember is Lucas Mora. Lucas Mora. And yes, that's how I say it with my English accent. He's from Brazil. Uh, Lucas Mora. All right, let's carry on. Anyway, he scored a hat-trick with his left foot. All three goals he scored with his left foot and he's right footed. (laughs) They're the only three goals he scored with his left foot all year. So it just it's, these things happen, and football is one of these sports which is, um, you know, I've been I've been talking a lot about sport this week with one of your listeners, but it's it's um, I don't know another sport that can have such emotions and such despair and and then open joy and the other way around. It's it's just quite incredible. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so that's what I've been doing this week. I've been watching a lot of football. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Well, I mean, there are other, there are there are other questions here in uh, on this page. Um, um, you're, according to the task, it says in pairs, tell each other about three of the following. So you're only mm-hmm. supposed to do three. I think we've done two, so we've got one okay. more. So what do you want? Music, sport, we've done. Uh, ho- <laughs> holidays or gadgets and machines and things. Ooh. Uh, so, shall we? Uh, shall we talk about music? Yeah, okay. So the question is, is there a singer or kind of music that you used to listen to a lot, but you don't anymore? Well, you take that one. You go first. Um, well, I'm, I tend to... I'm still listening to all the same stuff I, I always used to listen to. So I, I, all the stuff that I used to be into, yeah, I still carry on listening to it. But I, I used to have, like, my pride and joy was my music collection and I had massive CD collection. So I did CDs. I didn't do vinyl. Uh, I just did CDs, but I had like a a huge CD collection and I had it all very organized on my shelves and I knew exactly where all the CDs were and I had them all in like alphabetical order and then I'd rearrange them by genre and then I'd rearrange them by color. So they're all (laughs) color coded and stuff. And I, you know, and I used to make mixtapes and I had everything categorized and, and all that stuff. And then... Well, then sort of the digital, well, not the digital age, but the online age came in. And um, um, and also I moved, I moved uh, to France and I put a lot of my CDs and stuff in storage. And so now I'm kind of like, you know, it's like uh, my music collection is not tangible. I don't know where it is. Well, it's, it's in, in a, the cloud. It's in a freaking cloud. It's in a freaking cloud. <laughs> which is really weird. It's like, yeah, don't worry, uh, Luke. Uh, about your CD collection, we've we've kept it safe for you. We've put it in a cloud. 
Like, that's the last place I want you to put my music. What if it rains? I, yeah, I don't need, you know, I want to listen to it. I don't want to have to get a hot air balloon to, <laughs> to go and listen to my music. But, I mean, I've got to say, though, Spotify is amazing. Yeah, so I've got Spotify and I'm paying for it and all that stuff. And so, yeah, Spotify is incredible. So what I've been doing is kind of like every now and then I just remember an album. I'm like, oh, yeah, remember Corduroy's album. Corduroy. Cord, remember Corduroy? Oh my goodness, I do remember them. They're, and one of their albums was called Out of Here, and it was like one of my favourite albums. And I was like, I wonder if Corduroy's on Spotify. So go on Spotify, check out Corduroy, and poof, all the albums. Out yeah. of Here is on there. Listen to it again, and it's just as good as it always was. Yeah, so I'm still yeah. listening to the same stuff I used to listen to, actually. I think, hmm. I think the, the only thing I can think of, the only band that I can think of that I probably don't listen to anymore is Deacon Blue. <laughs> That's, Do you remember that? You know, that's really weird, right? That is really weird that you mentioned Deacon Blue because I've been listening to, um, what are they called? Um, Steely Dan. Steely Dan, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I kind of got into Steely Dan like quite late. My uncle um, always used to introduce music to me and he'd make me these tapes and stuff and he introduced me to like Frank Zappa and Neil Young and and uh, Jimi Hendrix and stuff. And uh, he gave me all this Steely Dan, but I never listened to it. And then recently I just got into it because I found uh, I watched their classic albums documentary on, on YouTube, mm. which is brilliant. Mm. And so I've been listening to uh, Asia by um, Steely Dan. It's an absolutely amazing album, right? It's just... It's just absolute perfection. There's not a single mistake or a bum note in the entire thing. It's, it's incredible. It's an amazing achievement. And the documentary is really interesting. But there's a tune from the album called Deacon Blues. Deacon Blues, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's been running around my head literally all day today. It's oh, going wow. around in my head even now. And uh, so I've, you know, I've been thinking about the lyrics, and it's kind of interesting lyrics about there's a, there's a name there's a there's a name for the winners in the world, but I want a name when I lose. Uh, they call Alabama the Crimson Tide. Call me Deacon Blues. They got a name for the winners in the world. I, I want a name when I lose. They call Alabama the Crimson Tide. Call me Deacon Blues. There's a name for the winners in the world, but I want a name when I lose. Uh, they call Alabama the Crimson Tide. Call me Deacon Blues. And I was thinking, what does this mean? Well, it's, I can tell. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, well uh, you know, the Crimson Tide is the name of the, the is the nickname of the um, Alabama American football team. Right. I've I learned this. Yeah. After mm. I kind of checked it out online. But go on. So, I don't know what the Deacon Blues are. I think Deacon Blues is another, I think it refers to another team that was, um, so while the Alabama football team nicknamed the Crimson Tide, mm-hmm. while they were like, at the time, they were like the most successful team winning everything. And there was another team that were losing all the time. And so the singer of the song is kind of saying, he's talk, he's painting this picture of this guy who's like fantasizing about being a hipster and leading this kind of hipster lifestyle where he's a jazz musician and it's kind of like this romantic story about a fading hipster and he's talking about how he 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 wants to be remembered for for yeah. for for his failures and 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 you know being a loser or something and so he's saying they call Alabama the Crimson Tide call me the Deacon Blues because he's thinking of some other team or maybe a a player who uh, was a tragic uh, loser, even though he was an amazing player. So it's kind of something to do with that. Because so, I, I remember at the time when I was listening to Deacon Blue, and it, oh, it hasn't aged well. But Deacon, it really hasn't. Deacon Blue then was another band from Scotland. They're another band, yeah, Scotland. Scot- Scottish band. Yeah, and I, I, yeah I, I, I remember the first band I was really into was Aha. <laughs> really and yeah that's a real ponce and uh, <laughs> and <laughs> and then deacon blue and you know aha has kind of stood the test of time in terms of a cheesy kind of you know i i, I can still enjoy listening to their music oh, but yeah. i do deacon blue is like a bit mm, cool, mm, hasn't aged bit, it's a bit vanilla a bit bland um but you know i was 12 years old whatever fair enough um but i often i often wondered what the word what the name meant deacon blue and i i I think i'd read somewhere that it was from a 
this is my 12 year old self i'd read that it was from a steely dan song and i'm like who is this steely dan <laughs> who is this man called dan and why is he so steely is he like iron man is he like iron man yeah you know um but yeah so that's not what i listen to but tell you what i am listening to at the moment which i absolutely love um is the new vampire weekend album oh right really it. i haven't heard it it's really really good i can't remember the name of it now but um the thing um, from a language point of view and the, from i think that the, the, the singer songwriter he is i think he's quite ingenious with how he uses words and how he creates melodies so from a language point of view i think that he's just a brilliant brilliant lyricist and the songs are so catchy as well so that's my that's my recommendation okay. you can recommend steely dan yeah. and i will recommend vampire weekend i'm going to just check out what the name of the album is i'm googling it right now um is it father of the bride yes that's right yeah okay father of the bride vampire weekend and my recommendation um Asia, which is spelled A-J-A by Steely Dan, which is an old album, but it's a classic. Mm -hmm. And I also recommend the Classic Albums documentary, uh, which is on YouTube. Just to search YouTube for Steely Dan Classic Albums, and you should find the whole thing. There's uh, there's, um, this drummer who was one of the session musicians that they used when they made the album. Because the, the, it's the, there are various stories about this album, this this Steely Dan album. One of the stories is the idea that they, the fact that they um, they they were such perfectionists. So the the band really was just two guys. It was Walter Becker and what's the other guy's name? Fagin. Um, uh, hold on, I've got to name them. Walter Becker and Donald Fagan, right? I've so, heard of Donald Fagan. Yeah. So that that was Steely Dan. It was really just those two guys. And certainly as they progressed and, and like their later albums, they just recruited session musicians for each song on the album. And they would like record multiple, multiple takes of each song with different groups of musicians. Yeah, so they'd, I've like, heard this, yeah. Yeah, they'd get this group of amazing session musicians in and they'd, you know, cut the track. And as far as the musicians were concerned, they'd done it and done it and done it until it was perfect and beyond perfect. And then they would, at the end of the day, they'd be like, nah, let's, let's try again. And they'd bring in a whole new group in and do the track again. The result is that the, the album just sounds perfect, you know. Mm. But one of the musicians that they brought in was this guy called uh, Bern- Bernard Pretty Purdy. Uh, in American English, uh, Bernard Purdy. Uh, and he's this kind of legendary session musician drummer who um, had, he played with everyone. You know, he, mm. he was on like all the um, uh, Aretha Franklin, Franklin records and uh, he even played with Frank Sinatra. He, he was also um, a kind of a, a, a compulsive liar as well, <laughs> uh, uh, Bernard Purdy, uh, because he claimed to have uh, been the drummer on a Beatles record. Um, he claims that he was the drummer on, I think, Twist and Shout or, or maybe uh, Love Me Do, which is not true. What, what actually yeah. happened is that I think one Beatles single, when it was released in the States on a particular record label, uh, the, the, the American distributor weren't happy with the way the drums sounded. And so they got someone to just hit a snare on 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 top of a one of the Beatles records and then they put the the single out with a slight with a slightly different sound so it just with a bit more of a punchy snare sound or something and Bernard Purdy was the guy who hit the snare on the overdub so he didn't he wasn't he didn't the, drum on it he didn't he played yeah he played a drum he just overdubbed one snare sound on a or something like that but he then go, went on to tell everyone that he'd worked with the Beatles and that he was the drummer in Twist and Shout or something. So he was kind of like this this really flamboyant character who was quite economical with the truth. With the and, truth. Uh, and, um, but he's what in the... Name, do- what was his name again? Bernard Purdy. Bernard Purdy, and his nickname was Pretty. Yeah. Bernard- so that's, yeah, because the, 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 the whole like Purdy is, is sort of, I think it's Deep South, American slang for pretty. Right, so yeah. she, she's She's still pretty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your sister sure is pretty yeah yeah it kind of sounds like pretty but yeah that's why he would have been called pretty yeah yeah i guess so and but he's such an entertaining person to watch he's talking about um uh they they wanted a certain kind of rhythm in one of the tracks uh 
I'm going to have to play the audio right for this bit. I'll I'll Go put on. it in in post production. So this is the thing, right? I found the video. He's talking about the Purdy Shuffle. Okay. So it's like the guys in the band want uh, a particular sound. They want a particular rhythm. They're not sure how to describe it. And they get Bernard Purdy in. And Bernard Purdy in this documentary is recounting how he told the guys, I'll do the Purdy Shuffle. And um, it's just it's just very entertaining to listen to. It's about three and a half minutes. When we did Pretzel Logic, which was the first album we did with uh, studio players, we had uh, done a couple albums with our little band, and, and we had, you know, heard these players and done overdubs and stuff with them. And uh, but I found myself in the uh, in the room with these guys, and I thought, like, wow, I'm really outclassed here, you know. Aretha Franklin, Nina Simone, Roberta Flack, Donny Hathaway, James Brown, Lloyd Price. Ray Charles, <laughs> Frank Sinatra, Heinz, Heinz, and Ford, Barry Manilow, Dionne Warwick, The Animals, The Monkeys, The Beatles, B.B. King, Bobby Blue. Now, they already told me that they didn't want a shuffle. They didn't want the Motown. They didn't want the Chicago. But they weren't sure how and what they wanted, but they did want halftime. I said, fine, then let me do the Purdy Shuffle. And they said, well, what is that? I said, well, I'll show you where you can feel comfortable with it, and you will end up getting exactly what you asked for. Halftime, funky, laid back, without thinking that it's a shuffle. And it goes something like this. isolate Bernard for a second because just listen to that beat Bernard you know this isn't easy you'd come in with a uh, a tune and have sort of a something in mind but uh, the way Bernard played stuff um, was always uh, he always had some unique stylistic thing that he did that uh, you would never imagine in advance and um, that nobody else would do this tune was uh good example of that a lot of Bernard's hi-hat and this tune particularly is a real driving kind of you got the backbeat you got double time and you have it almost shuffle Bernard, you know, you know, this is the famous story where where he, you know, he would come to a session, uh, at, you know, in the in the early '60s, and he'd have two signs with him, and he'd set up these signs. One on one side of the drums would say, "You done it," and then the sign on the other side would say, "You done hired the hitmaker, Bernard Pretty Purdy." <laughs> so it's that kind of confidence that you need, you know, yeah, to get a good uh, R&B track, you know. I'm going to be doing that all day now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I just love that story, which is, um, you know, that uh, uh, they brought him into the studio and he had two signs with him, <laughs> uh, one on one side of the drum kit and one on the other side of the drum kit. And the one on the, on the right said, you done it. And on the on the other side, you done hired the hitmaker, Bernard Pretty Purdy. You done hired the hitmaker. I might put that on my business cards. <laughs> yeah, so, you done it. You done hired the hitmaker, Andy Johnson. Andy Pretty. Andy Pretty Johnson. Andy, Andy Moby Johnson. <laughs> um, right. I Brilliant. think I think we better call it a day because I've got to go out now. Yes, you do. All um, right. But uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for talking to me and my Thank listeners you. on the podcast. Thank you. Always a pleasure, never a chore. And uh, no, no visit from the local ghost, which is nice. Uh, 
Well, I haven't. I might not be able to get out of this room alive, but we'll see. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Just. just <laughs> the door may be closed. Take the stairs, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool. Uh, All right. Good. So, speak to you again soon, and uh, have a nice day. Cheers, Luke. Bye, Cheers. everyone. Thank you very much. Bye, bye. Bye, bye. So there we go then, and thanks again to Andy for being a great guest on the podcast as usual, and also a special thanks to my cleaner for doing the hoovering in the background and for just keeping my flat in order. Any comments you have, ladies and gents, leave them on the page for this episode, and Andy might well reply to you. He quite often does that when he's been on the podcast. Um, So we're nearly at the end, but before we finish, I would like to just clarify something I said near the end of the conversation there about drummer Bernard Purdy. It seems, it just seems important somehow. So clarifying the Bernard Purdy thing. So at the end there, you heard us talking about a drummer called Bernard Purdy, who played drums on some Steely Dan songs back in the 1970s. I said there that Purdy was a compulsive liar who claimed to have played on some Beatle records. Now this is actually a bit of a legendary story in the world of music, especially for Beatle fanatics like me. So for the Beatle fans, for the music fans, and if you just like a little bit of, um, you know, a bit of music legend, myth and legend, um, then listen on. So I'd like to actually just fact check this story, or at least clarify this a bit, because I don't want to spread misinformation. And I would like to be fair to Bernard Purdy. He's one of my drumming heroes. He's an absolute legend in the world of drumming. Long-term listeners might remember that he appeared in episode 88 of this podcast, which was called How to Play the Drums. He wasn't a guest on the show, unfortunately. I mean, I just played some audio of him talking about one of his drumming techniques. Uh, Episode 88 is in the archive, of course, if you'd like to listen to it. Episode 88, How to Play the Drums. But anyway, here's the story of Bernard Purdy and the Beatles. So the facts, as far as I know are that Bernard Purdy once said that he'd played drums on 21 Beatles songs, and we're not sure exactly which ones, and that even the Beatles manager, Brian Epstein, was in the studio when he did it. And we think he means that he overdubbed drums on some of the songs, but he's never been 100% clear about it. In fact, um, his story changed quite a lot over the years, which makes it seem like he's lying. And also, it's outrageous to say, I mean, if if you're a Beatles fan, it's quite outrageous to claim that you played drums on 21 Beatles songs. He also said that there were four drummers who played in the Beatles and that Ringo wasn't one of them. I'd like to play the quote, actually, of him saying that. Can I do that? Um, yes, I can. Where is that quote? It's here. Here it is. Unfortunately, I don't have my computer plugged into my recording device here, so I'm going to have to play it on my laptop and stick the microphone next to the speaker. So this is Bernard Purdy. Just a quick, very quick quote of him making an outrageous claim about the Beatles drummers. Here we go. There are four drummers on the Beatles music. Ringo is not one of them. Mm-hmm. That was a very quick quote, but that was actually his voice saying, there are four drummers on the Beatles' music. Ringo's not one of them. Huh? What do you mean, Bernard? How can you make a, such a uh, strong claim? That really is quite a strong claim, Bernard. So, yeah, for any Beatles f- fans um, out, for any Beatles fans out there, those are slightly out- outrageous claims to make. Which 21 songs is he talking about? And Ringo didn't play the drums in the Beatles. What's he talking about? Now, also, this isn't just some nutter with no credentials. Bernard Purdy was a bona fide legend of the drumming world. His drumming was amazing. One of the best funk, soul and R&B drummers ever. His work was outstanding. He was recognised for it and he was highly respected as a session musician. So this is not just some crazy person making an outrageous claim. This is a very respected session musician. Also, looking at interviews and drum tutorials that he did, he seems to be a jovial, friendly, big-hearted person. So so I was a bit unfair when I said he was a, comp- uh, a compulsive liar. 
He might have maybe just misremembered events from his life or perhaps made a mistake that he just didn't repair over the years. Maybe just saying, maybe he just got it wrong and he never sort of admitted it. Perhaps he was just saying something outrageous in order to give himself a bit of publicity as a drummer. Uh, which worked because, well, people are still talking about it and they do say that there's no such thing as bad publicity or they say that all publicity is good publicity. So even sort of being known as a bit of a liar or an outrageous figure could be good for his reputation. It could keep him, uh, you know, as a well-known figure, you know, which, you know, for a musician, a session musician is good because it keeps the work coming in. So the truth of the matter is this. Um, uh, he did overdub drums. So to overdub, that's when after a song's been recorded, you can come into the studio again and musicians can record extra uh, parts on top of a, a song. So they don't record it there with the other musicians live, but they add the track, the, the, the instruments on top later. They call it overdubbing. So the, the truth of the matter is that he did overdub drums on some uh, recordings featuring John, Paul and George of the Beatles, but they weren't recorded under the Beatle name. And they were songs the boys recorded while living in Hamburg in Germany in 1961, before they ever really uh, became famous as the Beatles. Beatle fans will know those songs as the Tony Sheridan recordings, the most famous one being My Bonnie, which was a minor hit at the time. The Beatles, John, Paul, George and Pete Best played as the backing band to Tony Sheridan, who was a singer working in Germany at the time. They recorded seven songs. I think it, the, uh, it was Tony Sheridan and the Beat Brothers, I think was the title of the band. This is before the Beatles were famous and before Ringo replaced Pete Best in the group. Before Brian Epstein turned... Yeah, this is before Pete Best was thrown out of the group. This is before Brian Epstein... If you remember this from a recent episode, I talked about it. This is before Brian Epstein turned round to him one day and said, I don't know how to turn round and tell you this, Pete, but the boys have turned round and they've told me they don't want you to be in the group anymore. Lots of turning round, do you remember? This is before Pete Best lost, uh, left the group. Anyway, I digress. Later on, when the Beatles, with Ringo installed on drums, had become a massive sensation, the Tony Sheridan recordings were acquired by a record company in the USA and they wanted to re-release them under the Beatle name. But the drums didn't sound good enough in their opinion. The drums, I mean, this is important, especially like later, probably in the 70s or 80s, when uh, it's, it was normal for records to have like big sounding drums. So when these uh, old Beatles recordings were re-released in America, the record company wanted a better drum sound because the original drums were too quiet in the mix and there was no bass drum sound. So they got a studio drummer to record, to record drum tracks over the top of the seven Tony Sheridan songs. They got a studio drummer to overdub drums on these like weird, obscure, old uh, recordings that were made before the Beatles became the Beatles. That studio drummer was Bernard Purdy. So he did overdub drums on some songs, but not the 21 songs he claimed before, and they weren't really Beatles songs. They were Tony Sheridan songs with the Beatles playing in the background under the name The Beat, the, the Beat Brothers. And the thing about the Beatles having four drummers, but Ringo wasn't one of them, well, God knows what he meant there. Maybe he was alluding to the fact that Ringo wasn't the drummer on the Sheridan tapes. It was Pete Best. And also the fact that there are a few other Beatles songs in which Ringo isn't the drummer. For example, some of the tracks on the White Album feature Paul as the drummer. Yeah, because Paul McCartney also played the drums and he played drums on uh, Back in the USSR and Dear Prudence. Yes, that's not Ringo. That's Paul playing drums on those tracks. Yeah, because there's an, there's an old joke which some people uh, attribute to John Lennon, but it's actually a, a, a comedian who came? Who comes from the same part of England that I used to live in, uh, the Midlands, um, Solly Hull. So the, the comedian's called Jasper Carrot. So he made a joke once, which was something along the lines of this, like, is, is Ringo the best drummer in the world? He's like, the best drummer in the world? He's not even the best drummer in the Beatles, which is a bit unfair 
I think Ringo was a better drummer than Paul. But anyway, so maybe the, this thing about that Bernard Purdy said about how the Beatles had four drummers, but Ringo wasn't one of them. Uh, I mean, just an exaggeration. But there's some truth in it because Ringo didn't play drums on all the tracks. Like Pete Best played some of the, the stuff in the early days. And then uh, Paul played some drums in some songs. There's even one song in which John is playing the drums. It's I Need You, which is a George Harrison song from the Help soundtrack. That's John actually on drums if you listen to the track you'll see you'll hear it's not a full drum kit you can hear some percussion and a snare drum well that's john hitting the snare drum yes um also um there's a version of love me do the beatles first single which has a session musician called andy white playing the drums with ringo on tambourine because producer George Martin wasn't convinced by Ringo at the time. That was like their first record that they ever uh, recorded. So just a bit of fact-checking there for the record and for the music fans listening. Um, So uh, Bernard Purdy wasn't really a compulsive liar, but he didn't exactly tell the truth either. But what is certain is that he was a brilliant drummer. Um, So I have to give credit to a YouTube video by Fab Four Archivist, Uh, which I watched and which gave me a lot of those facts. If you're interested in music and these sorts of stories, then you might enjoy it. The video is on the page for this episode. Going back to Steely Dan, that band that we talked about before, I have a few other videos to recommend to you if you're a fan of theirs or if you're interested in stories about how songs are made and recorded. First, I'll put a video of the song Deacon Blues with lyrics so you can check it out listen to the song and try to work out what the lyrics all mean. So you'll find that video embedded on the page for this episode on my website. Then there's a brilliant video essay by a YouTuber called Nerdwriter1, which is all about how Steely Dan wrote and recorded the song Deacon Blues and what it all means. It's a very well-made video and is fascinating. So you'll find that video on the page for this episode too. And you heard me talking about the, the, the Steely Dan Classic Albums documentary, which is on YouTube. Here it is for your viewing pleasure, if you're looking at the page for this episode right now, including the scenes with drumming legend Bernard Purdy talking in his entertaining way. So there you go. There are just some videos that you'll find on the website, on the page for this episode. If you're wondering how to find the page for this episode, well, if you're an email subscriber, you will have or you will get, um, uh, maybe you've already received it, uh, an email with the link to take you straight to the page. That'll be in your inbox, depending on when you're listening to this. And uh, also just check the episode archive on my website. Go to teacherluke.co.uk, click episodes, and you'll find a list of every single episode of the podcast, plus some other stuff in there too. And that's how you, that's probably the easiest way to get to the page for each episode where you'll find all this other stuff like transcripts and notes and videos and other bits and pieces and the comments section uh, where you can chat with other listeners and you can leave comments for me or Andy as well in this case. I'd like to thank Andy again for coming back on the podcast. He's always a great guest. You can find him on LinkedIn, on Twitter at Andy B. Johnson and the London School online website, uh, londonschool.com slash LSO. And, if, and, he's, on, and he's, on, uh, he's on Spotify, of course. Uh, just search for Moby. <laughs> Lol. So that's it for this episode. Let me just give you a gentle reminder that you might want to become a premium subscriber. Um, I've got a pr- I've got premium episodes in the pipeline for this month that include some explorations into vocabulary that has turned up in episodes of the podcast, and that means that you'll get audio English lessons teaching you real natural vocabulary with all the usual things like PDF worksheets with tests, pronunciation drills, and all that good good stuff. And of course, when you become a premium subscriber, you get instant access to the entire back catalogue of premium episodes, which is ever-growing. I put a lot of work and time into my premium content, and it's available at what I consider to be a very competitive price. Just like buying me a nice cup of coffee every month from my local coffee place, maybe with a nice bit of carrot cake too, if I fancy it, and why not? Or you could buy me a cup of tea if you like, but I, I drink my tea at home, that's the thing. So your, the, the subscription could go towards my, my um, collection of tea bags, my ever-dwindling collection of tea bags. But uh, 
for me, I feel like, yeah, the, the, the subscription could go towards a nice artisanal coffee and a slice of carrot cake or a, uh, a box of, of tea bags from my local shop, Marks and Spencer. Anyway, thanks for listening. And I will speak to you again on the podcast soon. Oh, by the way, if you want to sign up for LEP Premium, where do you go? I know that's what you're thinking. But Luke, what's the link? Well, it's um, teacherluke.co.uk slash premium, of course. www. Nobody says that anymore, do they? When was the last time you heard anyone say www. Well, just now, because I just said it now, didn't I? But anyway, teacherluke.co.uk slash premium. Thanks for listening. And I'll speak to you again on the podcast soon. I look forward to reading your comments in the comments section. But for now, it's just time to say goodbye. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.